You know what's funny? Is uh, I listen to Toby and talk to him every day, but I barely get to see him outside of football season. So it's just made the day a lot better, Connor. Just made the day a lot better. That was the first time I've seen him in here. In he looked good? Yeah, he looked good. t Rose trimming up, man. He's he's got. I'm getting motivated here. He has lost a lot of weight. Looks great. But um, so my my day's brightened up because I got to see Toby rolling. Number two, uh, Connor's in for Josh today because Josh is moving, and I I gotta say, there's a part of me that's very grateful when a friend moves and they don't ask you to help. Right. <laughs> right? It's like, kids, you're gonna say <laughs> yes, right? But then number two, I'm kind of like, eh, you know, you could have asked. It's like that, that great. Does he need any help? Too. Dude, I, I got I to gotta tell you something. We got a lot of sports on the show. JT Gasso is coming up at 9.35 a.m. 9.35 a.m. for the Sooner hitting coach. Uh, JT, <laughs> JT had the classic walk-off in the middle of the interview on Saturday after the game, so we'll get to the bottom of that. I got to the bottom of it. I, I know what happened, but it's just it's kind of funny. So uh, JT is coming up at 9.35, and, 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 then, and then we'll have Eric... Lopez on uh, Eric with gosh you name it he, what he writes for extra innings uh, he's played by play voice of UCF uh, has the um, in the circle podcast I really like Eric um, I think he's I think he's a smart and educated and diehard softball member media member if you will and I just I love going through the process of figuring out the brackets through all of his research because I think by Friday, or excuse me, by today, look at me really trying to skip ahead in the week. By today, you reach this point where you're like, uh, all right, let's play the games. Bracket controversy, schmracket controversy. Just let the teams play. Who cares? But just one little follow up on that. And then we'll uh, we'll we'll dive into the matches. But I, I got it. Today's the last today and tomorrow the last few days of school for my kiddos. And I don't know, I don't know when things are wrapping up for for Norman Public. I don't know if it's this week. I know OU has its last week of uh, finals, like what the end of last week. So it's all left lane hammer down, getting ready for the summer and the postseason, if you will, for Diamond Sports. But so tomorrow is the last day of school, which means unless you're my daughter, my daughter's testing. They're doing state testing on the final few days of school. It's like, oh, man, it's just gross, right? Are they done with fi- or finals? Or I don't. You, you know, know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't remember how eighth grade works. <laughs> I don't remember I, either. I, I know that I have an eighth grader, and I know that she tells me a lot. But if you were to say, so does she go to different classes? I'd be like, I, I don't have any idea. Bro, the other day, not not to go all Nate Bergazzi on you, but the other day they called me from the nurse's office. Have I told this on the air? I don't know if I, I should. I haven't heard Okay. It. The other day they called me from the nurse's office, and my eighth grader, was uh, she's she's got a peanut or tree nut allergy, I guess. So they called me because she was having a response. I'm like, hey, all we need from you, Mr. Plank, is we need her birthday. And I was like, <laughs> now which kid do you have in there with you right now? This is Emma. I'm like, I want to say <laughs> September 17th. 
And then they go, and the year? And then when I'm like, oh, gosh, let's see. Landry Jones was the quarterback. There you go. And that's <laughs> no, no, no. But in all, in all seriousness, we um, – the final few days of school have been interesting. So yesterday, while my eighth grader is going through state testing for some reason, my uh, my my third grader is doing what every third grader should do on their last few days of school. They're doing like these field days. You ever have field days whenever you were yep. in school, Connor? You have you have some fun when right. you're about to finish up. Right, school. exactly. It's it's a great time. They have all these events. I remember whenever, and this is going back many many moons ago. But we would have little areas set up where you could. I don't play ring toss and all those carny games. They're fantastic. So my um, my daughter is not an athlete, so she doesn't she doesn't get too involved in sports. She's trying golf. That's her thing. But as far as competitive, you're getting into a race with somebody or your team's playing somebody. You're not. This hasn't ever been a thing for me with this daughter. But yesterday. At field day, Connor, I was like sports dad to the max. I mean, it was, I don't get these moments, right? And she did. They won the relay race. So, you know, we're, we're hyping up. And I'm, yep. you see the video with the mom that's running along with the camera and she's following her boy going through all <laughs> Yes. That, that was me. That was you. That was me. I was running along and I was filming as she was running. That was me. So, I, um, we got beat in the tug of war. We got smoked in the tug of war. God, I got to tell you, I was down. I had to bring the troops together. Then we had a little controversy because some of the girls had to take a – they had to run and find the restroom, so we were down four people. And I'm, I'm like, hey, we can't, we can't start this, Coach K. We're down four kids. You know how the teachers are looking at me like I'm a crazy person? I saw, I saw one mom accuse another mom of boozing, and I was like, ma'am, I assure you, I'm not drinking. No. I just, I never have these endorphins that are going through me right now. But here was the best part of it, is it, I think any of these moments in the final weeks or days of school, they take everyone back to kind of when they were that age, and you automatically, you know, you remember those moments where, oh gosh, when we were playing, Wood River thing, kicked the ball over the wire, and Max Watson caught Robbie Prangy's kick over the wire in that celebration in fourth grade. You know, it's a great week, right? Yeah, it's great. I mean, those are your best times when you're about to finish up the year. Oh. Have some fun like that. Those are some you look back in. I was remember fired those fun up. times. I'm running. I was running around. It's a good time. And do you know who's low key the most? You know who's low key the most competitive and all that? Who's that? Teachers. Teachers are competitive. They do. They're watching. They're like, oh, hey, hey, he's not. He can't go yet. Though they I, want. They want to win. I will say, I think we got a little bit of a break on on the relay race. I think one of our kids started running as soon as the other kid took off. But hey, we're not. We're not here to judge on this glorious, glorious Monday morning. <laughs> so we we got a big day coming up for you in the program. JT Gasso in twenty minutes from now, we're going to chat at the top of the ten o'clock hour with Eric Lopez, and we'll all share childhood memories. But before we get there, let's hit on the big stories from last night. Number one, the Lakers were getting smoked all night long by the Denver Nuggets. Smoked down, I think it was as high as twenty at one point. Down eighteen, down nineteen consistently, and then all of a sudden you look up with five minutes to go in the game. And it's a nine-point game. And then with three minutes to go, it's a six-point game. So I don't really know what to take from last night, except the Lakers do not have an answer 
for even though Anthony Davis played really well last yeah. night, the Lakers don't have an answer for Jokic, and I I don't necessarily know if Denver can always shoot the ball as well as they did. Holy smokes, Connor, they never missed. No, and when you get a play like that from Murray too, oh. along with Jokic, that's pretty tough to beat going up against the Nuggets. But props to the Lakers, man. They were down. Looks like they're going to get blown out of the water, and they come back and get it to <laughs> single digits. I. I why do I do this? There's two things. I can't have the text line up in front of me, and I can't have get up up in front of me. Because, I mean, I... <laughs> they're asking J.J. Reddick, who, because he's been on TV for a year, um, people wanted to be their head coach. But the question was, is game two a must win for the Lakers? Come on, man. I mean, I... No. Just like when... Game three will be, but... What was it when they said, should the Lakers rest their starters for right. game six? My gosh. What are we doing? I mean, it's funny. Anthony Davis had 40 points last night. AD had 40 points last night. But yet, all anyone seems to remember is how Jokic would make yeah. him look foolish. I mean, Anthony Davis was incredible. But yet the only takeaway is, man, Jokic was able to do whatever he wanted. And I was just it, – it's, it's not incorrect from what we saw. That's probably the only really good game you're probably going to get from Anthony Davis, a 40-piece. Yeah. I hope not, man. So here's – again, it was fun last night because it was a good finish. It wasn't a great game. The Lakers were out of it for most of it, and then – Suddenly, Austin Reeves started hitting some shots, and Anthony Davis was doing his thing, but they had no answer for the Nuggets, who shot uh, – well, both teams shot – well, i got to find that stretch in the third quarter because there was a moment where I want to say for about 10 to 15 trips down the court, neither team missed. And it was still like a 12, 13, 14-point game, and it was just boom, 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 back and forth, nonstop that entire contest. Well, then the Nuggets had, what, 120 points already, and there was like seven minutes left seven in the here. fourth quarter. I mean, they, <laughs> I, was, I was getting kind of worried about the way things might go for the Lakers whenever there were 70 points at halftime. Hilarious. But I, 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 know, I know that NBA talk can be met with silent minds and silent mouths whenever it comes to – whatever it comes to stuff not involving OKC around here. But that was fun last night, and I think tonight between the Heat and the Knicks are going to be fun too. And before we before we grab our initial timeout, I, do we really have to do all that for the draft lottery? Feels like a little – a lot. I, a lot going on. I mean, again, maybe this is my age showing a little bit, and I understand that – this is as probably anticipated of a lottery as we've had in a long time, right? This is right here, Victor Wimbignana. You know, this is a guy that's being talked about like we talked about LeBron whenever he was coming out of high school. So this is a big deal, and it was a big deal for the Spurs last night. So maybe, maybe ESPN laid it on a little bit more, but there was a part of me where I'm like, Just put the guys up there. And open the damn envelopes. They've been there for a minute. It's like, all right, let's go. Um, what do you think is going to happen here tonight? I'm like, what, the, what do we don't? What do you think is going to happen here Taking tonight? Too much time. It's the lottery. Get there. Get it done. Let's go. Tip the game off. 
Let's go down to our 14th different analyst to see how he feels that Victor Wimbignana could change this franchise who might have the first pick or might not. I, he, this is my biggest frustration in sports right now, okay? And I get it. I completely understand it. You can't just give the results because you would lose that Charlotte fan base and other fan base, even though they're still going to have a top five pick. Yeah. But to have the whole buildup be um, – Talking about how he would fit here, how he would fit there, how he would fit there. What's going on here? What's going to happen here? Woj, we got any news? No, because we're waiting for you to give us the freaking draft order right now. But so I just, I, my mind is blown that you just don't unveil the top 13, 14, whatever it is, and then let's talk about fits. Then let's talk about, I mean, I'm just losing my mind watching this last night. I, I started it, and then I switched it over. Oh. But it was just a very long process. Sucks to be the Rockets, too. Oh, yeah, I know, right? And and you could sense it, too, as soon as they were. And with the fifth pick, the Houston Rockets. Like, God, oh, my again. gosh. This is like a, a never-ending tank that's just not working out for Houston right now. But I, you know, and it's funny too because I, I'm laughing because Sports Center pops it up. It's like San Antonio stunner. It's like they had the best shot of anyone to have the number one pick overall in the draft. I'm just, I get very frustrated now whenever something is simple and we overcomplicate it and overcover it. And again, I love these people that will always tell me because I'm a scared flyer. There's a point here. Like, oh, bro, your percentages are so low that anything could ever happen to you in a plane crash. He's like, don't, don't worry. And then all of a sudden, Oklahoma City has like a 1.2% yeah. chance. They're like, oh, there's a chance, man. There's a chance. I'm like, what are we doing right now? Oh, my gosh. There's a chance. So, OKC, nobody moves up, really, until we get into the top five and you see that Houston got dumped. Because if, if you would have gone – if you would have gone, by the way, it should have should have been either Detroit, Houston, or San Antonio had the best shot at the top three, uh, and then what? Charlotte gets a little bit of a of an advantage, and and Portland ends up where they were. So who is two and three? I I didn't catch that. I just caught the Spurs with the one. Oh, by the way, speaking of that, the the funny part of it is everyone that everyone that was trying to lay out, man, what a big moment for the Spurs. And you're like, no. Nah. What do you mean, what a big moment for the Spurs? It's, they've got to be the luckiest franchise ever. Yeah. And it's not a knock, but the Spurs were one, the Hornets were two, the Trailblazers were three, and the Rockets were four. Okay. Oh, it was the Pistons that were at five. I'm sorry. I Thank you very much. Yeah, I did see some When, when they the announced Pistons. the Pistons, it was like they should. And the Detroit Pistons with the fifth pick, and you're like, ooh. And then they had Ben Wallace, and I was like, I don't think I don't want to tell Ben Wallace they got dropped this spot. But yeah. Houston got dropped to four. That was right. That, but Detroit was the one where you were like, okay, so the worst team in the NBA based on this lottery is going to end up at number five. And they just had Kane, Kate Cunningham they drafted yesterday. Yeah, they were yeah. horrible. And he was hurt. He was hurt all year long. So, I again, I don't know if we're going to be in the world of mock drafts until we get to June for the NBA and the lottery last night. But OKC, as expected, doesn't end up moving up. They'll pick – 12th in the first round. And let's see, whose picks moved? I think Orlando Orlando already had Chicago's pick. Dallas ended up getting to keep its pick because it stayed in the top 10. Those, those were the big stories from last night's draft lottery. And me being enraged because it took so long to finally get to the envelopes. And the deputy commissioner walks out. He's a good, nice guy. you know, Good, good command of that moment. He knows what's going on. 
but I'm the, I'm like an anti what is it AMSR person. So the 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 opening of the envelope is like nails on chalkboards yeah. to me. <laughs> it's a rough and it's sound. So, and it's so pure. It's like, <laughs> like ah! It's like right up to the mic. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the Pistons and for the Rockets last night, but nothing really too advantageous for the Thunder. All right. We're following golf this morning. Oklahoma battling to make sure that they're they're in a great spot right now. They're nine shots clear of Duke, 17 under, just two shots back of Alabama as we get – oh, we're underway in the third round right now. Sooners uh, dipped behind Bama yesterday, but we'll keep tabs on that. We'll hit the text line, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet, 405-651-3439. Want to go old school, we can hit you up on the Riverwind Casino jackpot line, 405-329-9000. But there was one story from yesterday, Connor, one story from yesterday that we did not get to that I wanted to spend some time on. So what does this latest buzz out of the ACC mean, and has it already corrected itself? We'll dive into it next with Connor Pasby. I'm Chris Plank. This is The Plank Show. I did like this off the Kinnipalmeyer Chevrolet text line from Realtor Chris. My little Olympic highlights, gold medal in the backyard, uh, backwards 50-yard, gold medal in the cross country, having to race Scott Guidry two out of three times for the final spot for the gold-winning obstacle run. And uh, Plaza Towers, 1983. Let's go. The, yeah. The softball throw is always mine. Was That's it? That's what I always look forward we to. We were indoors, so they didn't have a softball throw. It was very team-oriented. But you know, my kid had their field day yesterday. I was, I was on cloud nine. Pretty sure I embarrassed my wife, but don't care. Hey, you know who's one of my best friends right now? The mayor of Washington. So try to get in my way, people. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's get to the phones. I want to get to this ACC conversation. There was some news out of yesterday's Magnificent Seven or Significant Seven or whatever we're going with. Uh, and it looks like it's good news for the ACC. The key word is looks like. Uh, we'll hit on that here in just a second. What's going on, True Sooner? Welcome to the show. What's up, True? Hey, Chris. How you doing? I'm good today, man. How are you? Hey, doing good. Hey, I was going to ask you, this lottery stuff, and I look at the teams that have tanked. And you look at a Houston, you know, coming in at whatever they came in at four and Detroit mm-hmm. coming in at five. Is, is it financially and mentally worth it to the franchise? Um, you know, and I say mentally, I'm talking about a winning attitude. I'm talking about, but financially, you know, losing season ticket holders and losing uh, commercials and all that kind of stuff. Is it worth it to tank like that to get a 14% chance? And, and oh, by the way, there's three other teams also that have a 14 percentage. I just I don't know where the balance is. No, and and it's why I think you're in its efforts to curb. It's, it goes back and forth with me because I think in the efforts the NBA have made to curb tanking in the case of Winbignana, you know San Antonio who ends up winning is like ah you know we're not off to a great start just bleep it you know let's see let's make sure we can get in that 14 percent. Uh, but yet you still have a passionate fan base that's going to show up. Oklahoma City seems to have so far survived the tank. We'll see what health looks like and how everyone, you know, continues to progress. But, yeah, I, I think in the case of Winbignana, yes, I think it was worth it. Now, if if you're Houston and you're Detroit, now that Houston has um, – oh, I'm blanking on the, the kid they got a couple years ago. Green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you're Detroit, yeah. you have Cade Cunningham. You know, you've, you've yeah. got to start winning some games. So – you know, OKC, the, the theory was that this was going to be one more year of maybe shutting everything down, but 
They're like, no, 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 let's go. We've got enough talent. Let's go try to win some games. Well, and you're talking about, when you talk about a tank, you're not talking about for one year. You're talking about for, in some cases, three to eight years. Look at San, look at Philadelphia and, and trust in the yeah. process. The problem yeah, with Philadelphia is. isn't their roster. I mean, they're loaded. Um, but I, I don't. I don't ever want to see my team tank in a in a league where you've still got an opportunity to not have the top pick. And I'm telling you what, True, it's going to be really fascinating to see if the NFL, because teams have tried to tank in the NFL, and the NFL is so right. weird, squads will just back into wins. But I think it's going right. to be real interesting to follow if you have a team like Arizona or the Raiders or – Trying to think of just teams that have kind of stopped the Saints, maybe even where if they start to struggle a little bit, if you don't see them just punt on the season and think, all right, well, Caleb Williams is there and Drake May is there, so that could do for our franchise what Trevor Lawrence is doing at Jacksonville or Joe Burrow is doing at Cincinnati. So yeah, I'm a. I think it's going to be interesting to carry that over to the NFL and see if we have an issue with it this year. And you know, on a different subject, real quick, I'll make this quick. But the 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 stuff with the gaso stuff, the question that you get, the uncomfortable question that you get asked fifteen times a week about who, the next who will coach. be. I mean, I mean, I mean, we can see you squirming. I mean, we can Every hear time. you squirming on the radio. Well, but yeah, here's so, why: I don't want to imagine a world true right. where where Patty's oh, not the coach. I got you, but for the people that want, I mean, they're not go- they, they're going to take a gaso. I would think. Because just because you're not going to mess, you're not going to open this up to, to I would not think with the with the solution with the, uh, you know the the, the chemistry that the that the gasos have had here for thirty years or whatever it's been, you're not going to mess that up. They're going to go with, I mean I would say it's a ninety percent chance they're going to go with JT when that does happen. I know you probably don't want to say that or don't want to get in that you know go down that rabbit hole, but I just can't imagine any scenario where they don't at least give that a shot. Well, that's a heck of a lead into our next guest. Thanks so much. I appreciate yeah, it, True. We'll see you. All right. <laughs> hey, listen, I I say it a lot. JT's still a young guy. You know, DJ's crushing it at Utah right now. Missy Lombardi's turned around Oregon, and she was here for 20 years. You know, there's Jennifer – Jennifer. Jen Roach has been fantastic. It's it, it, When Patty decides to hang it up, which I hope isn't anytime soon – it's going to be the best job in the country. It's just, so. it's just hard to imagine Patty not being the the coach for OU. No, no, it's it's uh, not just hard. You're you're in the midst of going for a third straight championship. I I get this mindset though. I'm not saying there is anything wrong with it because I'm just as guilty, right? When when your team is good, it's like, gosh, what does our future look like at quarterback? I mean, are we going to be okay next year? And you're like. Pfft. We're like seven and zero. Oh, who cares? We're right, right. But but I'm I'm like that. Boy, we just went to the playoffs and won a playoff game. But man, I wonder what's our quarterback situation. Are we going to be okay in line? You know, it's just so I completely understand why that's a conversation around here. But I think we're a long way off. Okay, we are guest intensive over the next hour of the show. So when we come back, a quick sneak peek at the Meyer Chevrolet text line four zero five six five one. Three four three nine, but we'll be joined by Sooner hitting coach JT Gasso next on the ref. All right, it's the Plank Show on a Wednesday right here on the ref. We're pumped to be joined by JT Gasso, hitting coach for the Oklahoma Sooner softball team. Congrats on the Big Twelve Tournament Championship, JT. That's uh, as so many of the players put it, another check. Right, you 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 have that checklist of all right, regular season title, uh, Big Twelve Tournament title. It's got to feel pretty rewarding though, still, right? 
Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I think uh, it's more so just, you know, competing against the people that are in front of us. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's good to get the confetti and good to get all those things, the, the trophy and whatnot. But um, we're just really playing this one game at a time and focusing on the opponent who's in front of us. Is that in today's age with social media and how, you know, understanding and omnipresent this sport has become – is it harder now than ever to just focus on that one thing whenever you have so many people, I don't like me, that say, hey, you guys are rolling, that back-to-back champs. Does it make it more difficult, or does it bring everyone together closer? Um, I, I just think over the past couple of years, we have really felt the effects of that. Mm-hmm. And um, what's, what's kind of good is knowing now how to handle those things. Gotcha. Think about 2021, where – you know, we're coming out of COVID and, and just burst onto the scene um, stronger than that 19th season, which we thought was like one of our best seasons of all time. Right. So um, we had a lot of, we had a lot of attention um, back then. And, and even last year with Jossie's home run chase and, and whatnot. So, um, you know, even with all those things, we're just really focusing on ourselves and how we can be the best that we can be day in and day out. What's your um? Do you have a process on Sunday night? Whenever the the uh, field comes out, or do you just is it like a turn like a NCA basketball where you look at it like oh I think that team can win, or do you look at it much differently from a coaching perspective than you might say uh, as you used to, or even as a fan? So <laughs> every uh, every selection show, I'll make my own uh, bracket. Oh, a bracketologist. Yeah, but no, no, no. I mean, like, I will write out. Oh, okay, I gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, not, like, make my own. Um, I I am, I've been a big proponent for trying to get more data, more metrics into the selection room, um, just to have a little bit more accuracy on kind of, you know, some of the things that, just to make it more consistent, more transparent. Um, But, you know, when it comes to Sunday, I that's really the only thing I do. I, I just enjoy kind of being around the, the team or families around and, um, you know, just really soak that soak that up with everyone. Do, do you find it then from that perspective, JT? I'm not tr- trying to have you say anything about the, the tournament or the selection process, but, you know, is there a, a ranking or when you say those metrics, is there something where you're like, man, I really wish they had this? Or is there a number that jumps out to you that you wish was probably taken into consideration more than it appears it is? Uh, and that's, that's kind of the beauty of softball is we are, we're new to the scene too and, gotcha. and, the, and how popular we're getting. So right now the only real metric that they have in there is, is basically RPI. And so when they when they talk about you know top twenty five wins and top ten wins or top all these all these different things, it's all based on RPI. And I think just fundamentally one of the one of the things that really um, opened my eyes was looking at the basketball selection process and how they the NCAA adopted you know the net uh, the net ranking um, their evaluation tool. And one of the things that I think that's really important is using performative data, like what you're able to do in how you score runs or how you prevent runs um, should be um, weighted in there somewhere. I don't know, like, what it looks like. Um, you know, I'm one of those things. I hate to be one of those guys that say, there's a problem with this. <laughs> oh, I am. Um, so, 
answer. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> right? So I don't know the perfect answer, but what I'm saying is there's we can put more stock. We can invest more into getting more things um, in, uh, in our sport that ultimately make it, make it better. So many cool things uh, happening around this team, but one thing I don't think we can talk about e- uh, enough is just the impact that Grace Lyons makes. Uh, been here for a minute, right? First year was 2019, uh, has developed, I think, into a really good leader. But it's also it's a great story because she was just, right, a defensive shortstop. Here comes this defensive shortstop. And then from about, what, her sophomore season on, JT, she's been as consistently dangerous at the plate as anybody. Uh, extra base hits, had a couple home run excursions, or, uh, explosions. What have you seen that's been the biggest improvement and has allowed her to to develop into a complete hitter at the plate? I just think the uh, her buy into growth. Like she's always, she's always wanted to get better. Um, she knew that defensively that was like her thing when she came in. And she saw the the people around her that were great. She was she was also great. Like I think she was like two ninety something her freshman year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe with eight eight or nine homers maybe. But she was she was still doing a lot of good things. Um, but then just saying like, how can I get better? How can I get better? And just every single year, just um, really like taking the next step in in her development. So um, I she's still the same. I, I feel like she's. She's just as good as she's been, considering some of the things that you know she's had to go through and whatnot. So, um, really, kind of proud to be a part of that process for her and and seeing her development. And then on the other side of the the infield, and I, I want to talk about the outfield, obviously within a bit, JT. But it's really cool to see how comfortable Alyssa Brito is becoming and has become this year at third base. You worked with her a lot in in developing that kind of outfield chops, but man, she's got a absolute cannon at third she likes to show it off and just so confident right now in the in the plate with Alyssa Brito yeah and that's one of the things for her she's been able to stay neutral uh no matter the situation it's been really kind of fun to see her growth and I think that's the thing with with all players is just seeing how they're going to grow are they you know is it is it physically is it emotionally is it you know their process at the plate is it in the weight room like everyone kind of has something that they're really digging into and seeing Brito um, handle those, those big situations and just um, being clutch and just every day attacking it has been uh, really fun to watch. Yeah. And, you know, I was talking about this. I think we may have even talked about it too, but the passion for making plays in the outfield is so cool to see from Riley Boone to Jada Coleman and, and whomever you've used in right field. I feel like they've all made a play at some point out in right field but how much, how much fun do you have with where you can put Jada Coleman and and kind of how you can position her? If it's a if it's a slapper, you're not afraid to put her in tight because you know she can make that ground up in the outfield. JT, what does her closing speed, what does her athleticism allow you to to do positioning wise with the rest of your outfield? Does it kind of open things up? Well, yeah, you just kind of said it. You can put her anywhere on the field and know that she can cover. She can throw someone out. She can uh, she can run something down. Um, she'll she'll cut something off. So um, just her abilities as an athlete has just really allowed um, for not just her but the people around her to to get better. Because you know if you know that um, she's gonna 
let's say that there's a blind spot somewhere in the outfield, you know that she can kind of cover it, and it kind of allows um, the outfielders around her to really focus on their assignment of what of uh, what what they need to cover too. So um, just kind of having that uh, support around her and uh, knowing that she's getting after it has kind of made the people around her to be confident as well. Hey, um, uh, two more, and I'll let you get out of here. Speaking of Jada, I know that it's kind of hard to think, like, right off the, the cuff. Maybe I should have given you a heads up on this last night. But as far as players who moved positions, right, and I mean, this is a significant one, from shortstop to the outfield where they haven't played a lot. What we have saw, Sid move from being a lifelong shortstop to third base. You had Breed on the outfield last year. You had a couple moves like a Katie Self, what, played first base for a little bit in 2016, Shay Knight, first base. I'm just throwing a few. Has, has there been anyone who just seems to have attached themselves to or embraced the change and excelled as much as Jada Coleman has? Well, um, I mean, Brito. Yeah. Okay. That's the thing about Brito that we got to bring up, too, is um, do you remember when we put her out in center field? Yes. We out third? <laughs> yes. You know, so, like, every, I, not just Brito, but everyone on our team – Sophia Nugent going from catcher to outfield back to catcher. Like what, what we've really bought into is being able to play the game. And if you're able to play the game, like think about Sandlot, like being the jet Rodriguez could play any position. You saw him catch, mm-hmm. he would catch, he would pitch, he would play Pitting anywhere. <laughs> and so it just makes the, it turns it into a game when you know that you're able to play um, multiple positions and still be effective. So, um, you know, Sid – oh, man, I'll never forget this. Sid Sanders played right field, I think in an inner squad maybe, like before the season or maybe it was in the fall. I can't remember what it was. She had the – like this season, top five best rob that – like one of the best catches we've had, practice and game. Oh, wow. At the wall, over the fence, brought it back. Like it was sick. So everyone um, is is knows how to play different position on the field and we you know really stuck to that at the beginning of the year um you got well listen we've we've got plenty of time to talk about the games that are coming up but before i let you go i mean come on denver's not going to shoot that good the rest of the series right i know anthony davis gave us his 40 point game last night but there is no way that contavious caldwell pulp or jamal murray is going to shoot that well the rest of the series right i don't know the thing that scares me about Denver is their size so even if they aren't shooting like you saw um Lakers made their defensive adjustments there in the second half and mm-hmm. that was I mean, amazing but you get um you look at how easy it was for Joker to to, to um, back it down into the paint and he was getting some really good looks and if you have Michael Beasley coming off and and making shots then I mean they're Denver's really good I mean they're the one seed right so yep. I really feel – I feel like a real sports analyst right now, by yeah, the way. You're bringing it. But I'm I, impressed. <laughs> it's, I think it's, it's just going to be a good series because one thing about the Lakers that I felt this year more than um, the years past is how smart they are. They've been playing really – like making really big adjustments um, in their in their series. So it's been fun to watch them. Yeah. I, I, I hope they bounce back and pull it off. All right, uh, JT, have a great rest of your week, man. I always dig any second I get with you, and we'll talk to you again on Friday. Yeah, and in and, and your honor, I'm holding my phone up on, on speakerphone. Um, and next time I'll talk to you, I'll do it in public. 
please do. Please do. (laughs) My biggest pet peeve. See you, dude. We sat at an airport, Connor. We sat at an airport in Dallas, and there is a guy. I he's hot. He's mad. He's young, but the whole time. He's got it on speakerphone, and the poor lady's like, sir, I can't understand you. And he's like, here's my number again. It is, and she's like, sir, sir, okay, here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to go to our website, and he's literally on an iPhone. I don't have my computer with me, and I'm just like, oh, gosh. Just right in front of everybody. Now, if just, you're, go, just go find a private spot. If just- you're actually out having the conversation and it's you in public and I'm not involved, like it's not bothering me, I got no issue with it. <laughs> but but if I, it's something that serious, come we, on. We were at Dick's Sporting Goods about a month ago and there was like five people in the store, but four of the five people were literally having a conversation with someone else on speakerphone. And hold, here's what I don't, here's what I'll never understand about you people. Number one, buy headphones, Okay. That's it's that easy. Number two, you, you could take it off speaker and put it to your ear, and everybody can hear everyone better. You're just walking around with it on speaker. They can't hear you. You can't hear them. But it's almost like you want to make sure everybody, the whole damn place, knows you're on the phone. FaceTime is acceptable for one instance. One instance in public, Connor. Well, two, two, two. Historic landmark. You want to show the family. Number one. Number two. Sent to the grocery store, have no idea what spice they want or what brand they want. So it's like, I'm going to FaceTime you. It's going to take 12 seconds. Is this right? It is. Bye. That's it. That's the extent shopping, of your Walmart shopping conversation. Shopping for clothes, maybe. Shopping for clothes. Maybe. But then go with them. Go with them. It's that simple. That was cool to hear from JT, though. Love that. When he dude. talks about his players, I mean, playing multiple positions, it's just Crazy. If if you can hit the ball, we're going to find you a spot oh, on the field. Ding, ding, ding. We'll get into that next. Connor Pasby is in for Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. This is the home of Sooner fans. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show. We were talking with JT Gass. So kind of a big uh, hour of softball here. We had JT on. Uh, Eric Lopez is going to join us coming up here in a bit. Love, Elo. And then we – I mean, show's pretty much over. Show's over. But call it a wrap. Call it a wrap. We're done here today. But I I did like the idea that you brought up of, well, we were talking about JT, multiple positions. He talked about Sid Sanders in an inter-squad game, making a play in right field where she went up and took away a home run. Um, Jada Coleman talked to Jada a lot about this. She wanted to be the first left-handed shortstop in college World Series history, and lo and behold, she said, I got to college, and then there's Grace Lyons. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to try the outfield. But it's just it's amazing. you. Haley Lee has never played outfield before in her life, but she gets here in the fall and she's playing outfield just because she wants to be in. Connor, you hit it on the head. You hit, you're going to play. And that's been the case all year long. I mean, yeah, Jada coming in as a shortstop, moved to the outfield. Now she's one of the best outfielders in the nation. Yeah, if you can hit the ball, you'll find a spot in the order. Uh, Sooner Steven had hit us up on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line said, uh, could you ask JT if Jada might be moving back to shortstop next season? Um... I would say no for now. Yeah, I wouldn't mess anything up with Jada in center. I, I think I think Jada Coleman kind of gets how special it is for her out there. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if you saw her play some there because that skill set is still there. And could you imagine that juice on the infield, right, having that kind of energy? So I would never say never. I would say you're going to have 
I think T.R.A. Jennings is your shortstop next year. Now I want to I want to couch it with this. Couch it with this. Um, I I also thought that there was, you know, a slam dunk that you know either Kaylee Clifton or Sid Romero was going to be the shortstop whenever Kelsey Arnold graduated, and then this kid named Lyons moved in and became maybe one of the best defensive shortstops we've ever seen. So it'll be. I mean, Brito's played short, but I think Brito's made a good spot for herself at third. You know, Lena Torres has another year left. Maybe it's Brito at short and Torres at third. I'm, I don't know much about their class coming in, but I I know that at least in everything I'm tagged on, the Facebook groups that I belong to, everyone else seems pretty high on them. So. Before we hit the top of the hour, True Sooner says, any plans, adjustments on Rain and Norman on Friday? I guess start everything Saturday. I haven't really checked the weather for this weekend. Yeah, it doesn't look good Friday. Uh, True, I'm going to tell you what I tell everyone who asks me these questions. (laughs) I am the last one to know. I will know when the Twitter uh, release is sent out. Uh, Nobody finds it necessary to loop me in on these conversations, and I'm absolutely 100% fine with it. So I would think that there's been talks. So we'll see. I don't know if there's a drop-dead time for when they have to make decisions, but it's a good question. Eric Lopez is next on The Ref.